Welcome to God's Word Baptist Church uh, Sunday School this morning. Uh, we've been in the book of uh, <clears throat> Colossians, I'd like to say consistently, but <laughs> uh, <clears throat> me being in and out has been uh, not so consistent. Uh, but uh, we're, we're here in um, uh, Colossians chapter 2, and we've been taking a look at, obviously, the theme of the book um, that we established in chapter 1 is the preeminence of Jesus Christ, uh, the preeminence in all areas, uh, not just preeminence in uh, spiritual things, but preeminence in physical things, preeminence in word, preeminence in thought, preeminence in um, just even daily activities. Uh, it's always that thought of, okay, what is Christ wanting me to do? Is this in his will? Will this bring him glory? And as we continue into the second chapter, we identified several areas that Paul gives a warning about. Uh, gives a warning where that preeminence can be eroded by things of traditions of men, false doctrines, all of those type of uh, things that can affect us in a negative sense spiritually, that drag us down. And we, we, we went through the first few verses here, and I want to pick up uh, right there in verse 5, and we talked a little bit about uh, um, this verse, but we didn't talk a, a quite a bit about the steadfastness in your faith, but we're going to continue that into verse 6 here. <clears throat> says in verse 5, For though I be absent in the flesh, I am with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and steadfastness of your faith in Christ. So obviously this is what he begins to hear about this church at Colossae. Not just, uh, uh, you know, the bad things, not just uh, horrible rumors, not just things that are contrary to Christ, not divisions like he had heard about with Corinth or anything else, not uh, being uh, led away from the gospel of Christ as we see with Galatia or anything of that nature. But what we find here is we find that he says specifically that he's hearing these things. He's with them. He's joying and beholding the fact that they've got some order. They've got the things kind of in the right place where they need to be. And that's obviously what we as Christians need to make sure that we're doing. God has an order for our life. And, and, and when we think about it, God likes things orderly. God does not like chaos. God does not like disorder. God does not like confusion. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he's not the author of confusion. So we very clearly see that here he is talking about an order and not just an order in a church. Because order in church can be different. Uh, ours is different. You know, we have a, an order in the church with, uh, you know, the song uh, is singing is different than than other churches. We, we do things differently, and that's totally fine. There's a lot of freedom and liberty with those things. But when we're talking about order, the order of the church, the primary focus, the primary, if you will, mission of the church is to go out and, and, and be a light in this world, to evangelize, to edify one another, to, to see people grow, these are things that are, are orderly, that should be done in every church. In today's day and age, those are things that are not primary. As a matter of fact, there was a, um, a, a recent kind of poll done to see 
what were the most important ministries of churches. Uh, and uh, I don't know if it was just U.S. or if it was uh, all across the world, but uh, things such as evangelism and edification of the body did not appear in the top ten. Everything else did. Programs, social justice, stuff like that. That that all appeared. That all appeared, but 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 when it came to actually evangelizing, actually telling people about Jesus Christ, uh, when, when it came to that being an important ministry of the church, it wasn't. When it came to edifying and encouraging and teaching from the Word of God, the things that needed to be taught for 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 application and and for Christian growth, those things were not. It was more about uh, how, how good are we going to make people feel? Uh, did, did the song service enrich people's lives? Things like that. But we have an order that God has given us in, as individual believers, and that order starts first and foremost with Jesus Christ. He's the first part of that order. We need to understand that process. We see others that are before ourselves. All of these principles that we find as an orderly Christian and what we should be doing. And he talks about beholding the order and he also their steadfastness of faith in Christ. They had a testimony about being steadfast during difficult times. And I, and if you notice, it's steadfast in faith. They weren't wavering. We've begun to take a look at the book of James on Wednesday night. And uh, we see that faith is an important principle that is being taught in that book. Uh, faith is an important principle in all areas of Christian life. First Corinthians 13 talks about it. it. says charity is obviously right there at the top. But when it comes to things such as uh, faith, uh, faith is up there. Faith is extremely important. Faith is something that is necessary. And here we find uh, very clearly in verse uh, uh, verse 5 here, he sees that testimony of this church at Colossae saying, hey, you're, you're standing in that faith. You are taking what you have heard from God and you are being obedient unto it. And that is an important principle that as believers we have to follow. Because if you look at chapter six, excuse me, chapter two, verse six of Colossians, it says, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. So he, he makes this connection and he says, look, you know, there was, there was a demonstration of faith. There was a demonstration that occurred. You, you obeyed the gospel of Christ. You trusted Christ as your savior. And he says, when you did that, that was an important thing to do in your Christian life. That was important and necessary for salvation, but it's also important and necessary to continue that same vein of thought, that same, if you will, thought process of how to get things done throughout the Christian life. Because again, it, it, it was amazing. Another study that was done said only 29% of Christians think spiritual growth is important or even necessary. That's less than a third. 
So we have over two thirds of uh, Christians, and, and again, I understand the, the 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 claim that some people make about being Christians and not trusting Christ and not following Christ. You can't be a Christian if you're not following Christ. You may be a believer, you may be saved, but you can't call yourself a follower of Christ if you don't think Christian, if you don't think spiritual growth is important. And then we wonder why when bad things start happening, people start going into panic and anxiety and, and fear and, 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 and just, you know, sheer terror. It's because they've never grown. They trusted Christ as their Savior and that was it. No growth proceeded thereafter. And he says, as ye have therefore received Christ uh, Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. By faith, with his grace, through the power of his might, by the power of his resurrection, with the leading of the Holy Spirit and the word of God at the forefront. This is how we go about doing it. So, you know, we understand that the word of God was presented to us when we trusted Christ as our Savior. It identified that we were a sinner in need of a Savior, told us about a Savior and who that Savior is and what he has done for us, and how we can have that eternal life. We understand that the same thing is true when it comes to our Christian walk. We have to understand that the Bible is important for that. We have to understand that this is, if you will, a necessary uh, um, uh, tool in the believer's walk. And if we don't follow that path, we're going to have some pretty big stumbles. We're going to have some, some, some issues. Turn over to 1st John chapter 1. 1st John chapter 1. <clears throat> 1st John chapter 1, and it says, uh, in verse 6, it says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I mean, we take a look at those passages, and we, you know, John's making it pretty apparent. If you're walking around in darkness, and you're still walking around with sinful patterns, there's a problem. There's something that needs to be addressed in your life. There's an issue. Your relationship with God isn't what it's supposed to be. But what we have is we have light and it's given to us. And with that light, we are supposed to have fellowship one with another. You don't have fellowship in darkness. We don't come together for the purpose of sin. We don't come together for the purpose of glorifying of the flesh. The lifting up of man. That's, that, that's not what church is about. That's not what worshiping God is about. But today, that, that's the way it is with so many people. They come and it's it's just, if you will, a physical, emotional experience. A physical, emotional experience. How did it make me feel? Well, I'll tell you this. Generally, whenever you pick up the Word of God, there's generally going to be maybe a feeling of some conviction. That's just kind of a natural course. There's going to be a feeling of conviction. Conviction. 
There's going to be an emotion of it, I should say. Because if you're looking for a physical feeling, well, you know, hey, stand in line. I'm sure we can arrange somebody to kick you in the shin. You know, then we can have you dancing about because it hurts. But when we're talking about, you know, the thought process and the emotional, there's going to be conviction there. At the same time, there's also going to be joy. Because there's joy with the Spirit. If the Spirit's communing with you, He's going to give you uh, that fruit, and that fruit is going to be love, joy, peace, long-suffering, all the things that we see over there in Galatians chapter 5. And, and that's what we get when we have, if you will, spiritual experience in the Word of God. And again, I'm not talking about some sort of uncontrolled emotional response. Because you have to make sure that your spirit is kept where it's supposed to be. Somebody that does not have rule over their own spirit, the Bible says, it's like a city that is broken down and without walls. What does that mean? Anything can rule. Anything can affect it. Anything can take it over. So we exhibit order. We exhibit control. We exhibit steadfastness in faith in Christ. And he says, this is how you trusted Christ. You need to continue in that walk. And he gives more definitions of that as we move into this in verse 7. He says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And this is a key. That key part. One of the key parts about preeminence of Christ in your life is abounding with thanksgiving. You just cannot help but thank God for everything that is happening. For what you have. For what you've been given. For who you are. Who you are in Christ. I'm not talking about who you were. That's the old man. Leave him alone. What about that new creature? Every single day, thankful for the forgiveness that we have, the grace and the mercy. Every single day, abounding in that thanksgiving. But here he is, he he talks about to be able to, to, to continue in this walk, he kind of, if you will, is kind of a bit of a contradiction in terms because he's using a couple of illustrations. To, in order to walk, you got to be rooted. In order to walk, you have to be, as he says here, built. You have to have a firm foundation. You have to be established. So we see these two principles that he's talking about. It's a double illustration that he's using here. Because not only is he talking about uh, uh, walking and then standing, as we find over in the book of Ephesians, but we'll hear also he's talking about, if you will, things of agriculture and things of construction. Here he is rooted and built. Two separate things. Take a look over at Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. <clears throat> Luke chapter 8, and in verse, uh, 
you know, and he's uh, basically starting with verse 9, talking about this parable of the sower and the seed. He talks about being rooted, talks about those that are, are snatched away. Uh, but in verse 13, he says, uh, talking about uh, those that are, uh, he says, they that are on the rock of the day, which when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. He says, you know, they, they, they don't really have that firm root, that firm grasp. That's why one of the easiest ways to, you know, when you're doing, trying to control weed and landscaping is you put down that barrier, and then on top of the barrier, you put down some sort of a rock. Weeds have a hard time getting anything in there, and if they do get anything in there, they're really easy to pluck up. It's the ones that you got to worry about that burrow straight through the barrier and are down in that dirt. Those are the ones that are difficult to get out. But here he's talking about those things that that, that just have no root. There's no growth. There's no growth. As a Christian, there should be growth. Because in verse 15 he says, but that, uh, uh, that on the good ground are they which in him honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. We see that this principle that he's talking about, he's talking about it, if you will, in an agricultural sense, about what's going to endure and what's going to wither away. What brings fruit and what just needs to be cast into the fire? At the same time, he's also talking about this being built up in him. And if you go over to 1 Corinthians 3, again, we see that principle, that, that illustration being used, where he's talking about things uh, <clears throat> that are, are built of God. <clears throat> he talks about in verse 6, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. God's the one that causes the growth. You can't cause anybody in here to grow. The only thing you can do is you can give the Word of God. You can give the seed, you can give the water, you can give all those things, and that's it. It's the Lord and the Lord working in that person's heart and whether that heart is going to be yielded. He says, so then, uh, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. And he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive reward, uh, shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. And then he starts talking about, okay, we're going to go into this discussion about rewards and, and what they are. And in verse 9, he says, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. So now he's talking about two different things again. He's talking about husbandry. And he's talking about building. And then he goes into verse 10 talking about building. And he says, wise master builder, laying a foundation, building upon it, going through all how we're supposed to build upon it. All these things, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble. He's talking about a construction project. Because we, when, when God looks at us, sees us very differently than we see ourselves. He sees us as trees walking, bearing fruit, or not bearing fruit. He sees us as a building, 
all of us put together, fitly put together, joined together through the blood of Christ, that we're supposed to be the temple of the Holy Ghost. He's supposed to be dwelling in us. All of these things that we see that, 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 that have been mentioned in many other epistles that, that Paul's talked about, that Jesus Christ has talked about, he's saying this is how you walk, this is how you remain steadfast, this is how you avoid being influenced to take Christ away as the preeminent one, is if you're rooted and built up in him. If you're grounded in Jesus Christ, nothing's going to take that away from you. The problem is, is a lot of people waver with that because they don't have a grounding in the Word of God. They don't have a foundation there. They've barely begun to build anything. And he reminds them, he says, you know, rooted and built up in and established in the faith. Faith is a good way to establish what your thinking process and your actions are going to be. There's establishment there. Things are put in a certain order, in a certain way. Faith is one of those tools that helps you build in him. That helps you, you know, you become deeper rooted in him. The more the word of God you hear and do and obey, the more the faith increases. It's exponential. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. So you see very clearly there that connection. And here he is establishing that saying, look, this is what you've been taught. This is what you've been taught. And And I'll say this to young people that are in here. You've been taught these principles. Now, whether you paid attention or not, that's on you. But these principles have been taught in this church. These principles have been taught for the purpose of of you having a relationship with Jesus Christ that pleases who? Your parents? No. The pastor? No. Your Sunday school teacher? No. That pleases God. The purpose behind this is that we would have that established uh, relationship in Christ that would be firm and rooted that when you're tempted as a young person, and trust me, I can say I've been tempted as when I was tempted as a young person, I was tempted to walk away from it all. I was tempted to just abandon everything. But I'd been taught. There were things that I knew. There were principles. And I'm not talking about stuff that man teaches. I'm talking about stuff from the Word of God. And the same thing is true with every believer and every Christian. We've been taught this. We've been taught this. Some of you have been in this church far longer than I have been. Some of you, you know, your your roots go way back with this church. And you know what? You've been taught. You've been taught. 
And he wants to remind them that. Now, Paul wasn't even the one that did the teaching. As we established, Paul didn't even start this church. He didn't even go there. What he's doing, he's saying, look, I know what you've been taught because I know the guy that taught you. And I know what he teaches. And it's evident through the testimony that you have. And that should be evident in the testimonies that we have. It should be evident that, that, that our foundation is in Jesus Christ. That our foundation isn't in the things of this world. Because the things of this world are temporary. They pass away. Young man gets excited, gets his license, he gets a car. That's not a foundation. That's a that's an accident looking to happen. That's what that is. And even the insurance companies know that. Over the you know, under the age of twenty five, your insurance rates they're atrocious. Why is that? Is it because you're necessarily a bad driver? No, but it's every person, every young male under the age of 25. I guess you could always claim, never mind. We won't go there. <laughs> but, but See how dangerous that gets real quickly? <clears throat> Anyways. But the, but the end result is, is you know what? You, 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 that's not a foundation. You go out there and you begin with a career. Just starting in a career. That's not a foundation for life. Career is an end to a mean. I get it. You know, you, you want to have a, a job that you, you, you kind of like doing. Because if you have a job that you don't really care for, well, that may be a problem. But I'll tell you this, before you ever get to get that job that you really like, be content with what God gives you. Whatever it may be. However small it may be. Be content there. Because that's not, again, a foundation. The foundation is Christ. He's the one that promotes. He's the one that that gives jobs. Current job I have, the Lord gave it to me. There is no explanation other than the Lord gave it to me. I I I was disgruntled. I was not a happy camper. I was gonna just kind of go and and start putting my uh, uh, resume out there, and and uh, I was gonna apply. And uh, as a matter of fact, I was gonna apply with the the FBI, not as an agent. Okay, just to clarify. <clears throat> Just their office and help me, you know, an office manager. That's stuff I can do. I can order paper and pencils and whatever they need, okay? That's not that big of an issue. Um, you know, we're very well qualified for that. Uh, you know, shouldn't be an issue at all. I was going to do that. Told somebody uh, at, at my job that I worked very closely with, and she's like, before you do that, let me do something. She went all the way up to the CEO of the company and said, I need this person as my assistant. And he said, okay, fine, whatever you want. Next thing I know is I'm working in a totally different world, a totally different department. That was the Lord. He gave that to me. 
These are all things that I look at and, and, and I find it was all about the relationship that I had with Christ first. It's about what the relationship with Christ first. You go over there to the book of Matthew and he says, you know, he talks about uh, um, uh, the kingdom of God. And he talks about the kingdom of heaven a lot. That's the physical kingdom. Then he starts talking about the kingdom of God. But he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. So right smack dab in a book where he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, the physical literal reign of Jesus Christ. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, the spiritual. Why? Because before the kingdom of heaven ever showed up, the nation of Israel needed the kingdom of God first. Why is that? Because they were spiritually dead. They were flatlined. And, and, and God said, you need to seek this first. Then all these things will be added unto you. You want that physical kingdom? Seek God first. Let him handle that. You focus on God first. So those are the things that, you know, we begin to see that the Lord shows out and points. But what we find here in this passage is we find that he says, look, I want you to be rooted and grounded. I want you to be spiritually grounded first as you've been taught. And above all, as part of this walk, as part of one of the ways that we avoid being influenced by false doctrine is abounding in thanksgiving. The more thankful you are for what God has given you, the less likely you are to look somewhere else for something that may try to satiate. Please, for a moment. Feel good. As much as you may think that I can't, I'll tell you this. I can preach a feel-good message. I can make you guys walk out of here, you know, on your little tiptoes going, oh, I feel so good. You know, I could do that. But it's not my purpose to try to make you feel good. My purpose is, is just trying to get you to look at the Word of God, to think different, to grow in Christ, to have a relationship that was greater than it was yesterday. That's the purpose of a pastor. And what we find here is we find here he's saying, look, this is what I want. I want you to be thankful. Because you know what that's going to keep you? That's going to keep you away from what comes in verse 8. Because take a look at what he's got going on here in verse 8. This is the uh, another one of those uh, um, warnings that we pointed out. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. Here he is. He says, I want you, I want you to be aware. And we already talked about this when we looked at each one of these individual uh, warnings. So we're kind of backfilling here a little bit of a review with this because he says, look, those things that are through philosophy, vain deceit, they're after the traditions of men. You ever debate a philosopher? You ever talk to a philosopher? 
And you're just like, what do you even... You ever read Socrates or Plato? Anybody in here even try to do that? Oh, man, it's like watching paint dry. And you just, I mean, and again, you're just watching the, you know, these people. And I remember philosophy class in, in, in college and, and listening to these people debate about what they thought was truth and back and forth. And it just was like, wow, you really have no hope. No hope. They just sit there and they just like pontificate over, I don't know, whatever. I mean, and, and now people are, are like, you know, taking other books and, 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 and bringing out, trying to bring the philosophical or philosophical meaning out from behind it, such as Winnie the Pooh. You think I'm kidding? They've got these out there and they're like, they're talking about the, the philosophical impact of Winnie the Pooh and Piglet and Ticker. And, and I'm sitting there going, it's a children's book. It's make believe. It's fantasy. But people are trying to make some sort of, you know, if you will, Bible out of it. But the problem is, is that there isn't any truth. And any truth that was in there or is in there came from the Word of God. Came from God because John makes it very clear when Jesus Christ said, uh, um, he says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And well, who is the Word of God? Jesus Christ. Does he not say, I am the way, the truth, and the life? No man cometh unto the Father except by him. Not by me, but by Jesus Christ. And here he's saying, you know, you have to be careful. Because again, if you're not rooted, you're not built up, you're not established, you haven't listened to what you've been taught, and you're not abounding in thanksgiving, you better beware. Because the devil is out seeking you like a lion. And he'll get you. They'll get you in a snare because you're not paying attention. You're thinking about things of men. After he says the tradition of men after the rudiments of the world, not after Christ. They're after worldly doctrines, worldly principles. You go into schools today and it's believe in yourself. You know, at one point in time, it was all about you need to believe Jesus Christ. You need to believe the Word of God. Back when the first book that was published in the United States of America was Bible by Congress that was to be distributed to churches and to, to, to <gasps> brace yourself, schools, for use in schools. You want to know what the problem is? It's not gun control. Dare I say it's not even mental health. We've got a we, we, we've got a Christ problem. Jesus is missing. He's missing in thought. He's missing in history. He's missing in English. He's missing in all of those things. He's missing in math. 
Yeah, he's there in math too. I know. I, I hate to say it, but he is. Why? Because he's he's a mathematician. He's a mathematician. And us dyslexic folk, we just leave that to him. <laughs> we just let him do that. Just nod and smile, yeah. <laughs> but 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 again, there's the problem. It's after things of the world. Believe in yourself. You can be whatever you want to be. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you can't. I mean, you know, just you know, as a young man, because I've never been a young woman and never intend to be. <clears throat> but, but as a young man, I, you know, I remember sitting there thinking, man, when I grow up, I want to be strong and beefy, things like that. I'm just this shriveled up, frail, shuffling old man that scoots across the floor. I have the walker at home. I just refuse to use it. You know, not exactly where I thought I'd be. You know, I want to be that fit, you know, tan, bodybuilding, muscular guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's not going to happen anytime soon. Number one, I don't tan. It's like a rotisserie chicken. You can hear it sizzling. There's certain things I can't be. I can't be. No matter how much people believe it, it's just not going to be true. And it's sad. It's after the rudiments of the world. It's all about career. It's all about academics. It's all about these things. No, it's about Christ first. Because this is what he says. Look, he says, here's the issue. Beware somebody doesn't come along and put something else in front of Jesus Christ that you're going to follow after. Because we are that proverbial dog where it's like squirrel. And we're, I mean, we're gone. We're gone. We see, we see the shiny thing. We go after it. We see money. We go after it. It's, it's what people do. It's after the rudiments of the world. Did you ever think about that for a second? What do you work for? A wage, right? Get a wage. The wage is in the form of a currency, right? Currency is built upon the series of notes and trusts and blah, 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 blah. Okay? And if you want to know what the blah is, go look it up. <laughs> but essentially, I want to get down to it is that you realize that what you're laboring for is dirt and cotton. That's all those minerals are. Gold comes from where? Dirt 
Copper comes from dirt. Things of the world. Nickel comes from dirt. Paper, it's a cotton form of a paper. Special linen weave, whatever it may be. You're working for plants and dirt. Plants and dirt. Our economies are built on plants and dirt. And you wonder why they're so fragile. You wonder why somebody does something and all of a sudden things go completely haywire. That's why God said, put your treasures in heaven. Put your treasures in heaven. And it's not about physical gold and physical silver and physical precious stones. Let's not delude ourselves into thinking that those rewards that we see over there are that. You know what those things are? Those are things that are about the glory of God. All those rewards point to the glory of God. Are you building with the materials that are going to bring glory to God? Or are you going to build things that are just going to burn like everything else? And here he's saying, I want you to go after Christ. He's saying, I want you to go after Christ. In verse 8, not after Christ. And here, here, here you, why again, he comes up with, Paul comes up with another example of why Christ is preeminent. Why he is so important. Because in verse 9 he says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All of it, right there. Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, right there, bodily. Never has happened before, ever on the face of the earth. Can't happen in our human bodies. We'd explode into fine red mists. Could you imagine the glory and the fullness of God coming and dwelling? That, I mean... Just Moses being around God was shiny. They had to put a veil over him. Just just the appearance of him. Paul on the Damascus Road blinded him. His voice makes the earth tremble and quake. And all of that was found in Jesus Christ. No man can do that. No man can say and make the claim that he is God. And that's what makes Christ preeminent. There there are, I will say this, there are men that claim to be God. There's one contemporary pastor that was up on stage and he kept screaming, I am God, I am God, I am God. Maybe you know who I'm talking about. And then he tries to backpedal and it was like, no, dude, you can't take that one back. He was claiming he was God. He can't be. No man can be God. There is nothing else like God. There is no other God, lower G, that is like our God, capital G. 
It just, it just doesn't exist. Because here he is saying, look, in him is everything. Turn, turn over to, um, 1st Timothy chapter 3. First Timothy chapter three. And in verse 16, it says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. This is a mystery to us because we can't fathom how it can be handled in the flesh, but yet God did it. God was manifest in the flesh, Jesus Christ, justified in the spirit, Jesus Christ, seen of angels, Jesus Christ, preached unto the Gentiles, Jesus Christ, believed on in the world, Jesus Christ, received up into glory, Jesus Christ. Now that's a mystery. That is a mystery. That number one, that God would do that for us in the first place. That he would humble himself and limit himself to be in that flesh, to come down here for us, to die on the cross, a humiliating, horrible death for us. To have his flesh brutalized, beaten, and killed for our sins, for my sins. That's a mystery. Why? Because we wouldn't do that. Bible says that scarcely will, 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 will a just man die for someone else. But Jesus Christ said, I'll die for them all who are unworthy of it. Because he wasn't willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And here we find it, he says here, in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All of that is in Jesus Christ. He is complete, which then leads into verse 10, which we're not going to have time to get into that much, but to just briefly introduce, it says there, and ye are complete in him. He is the one that makes all of this fit the way it's supposed to. He is that missing piece that people have been needing in their life. People will say, I'm looking for something in my life. I'm looking for this. I'm looking for that. I'm looking, I'm trying to find myself. Well, the problem is, is you've already found yourself because you're there, right there. What you're looking for is you're looking for the missing piece of purpose and meaning. And that can only be found in Christ. And it can only be found in the holiness of what he is and what he's done. And we'll talk more about that, Lord willing, next week. But again, here he is, the fullness of God bodily. And here he is now making us fully complete in him. Fully complete in him. Again, another reason for the preeminence of Christ. Why? Because nothing will complete you like Christ will. Nothing will. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for this time. Thank you again for an opportunity to just be in your word. Pray, Lord, the things that we study today would just uh, continue to drive us and motivate us. 
to be followers of you, to seek after you. And I thank you again, Lord, for all the things that you've uh, taught us. I pray, Lord, that you'd be with us during the 11 o'clock hour. The time would be pleasing and honoring unto you. And this I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.